to this week's episode of Forging the Word with Trevor Whitman. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that we'd like to think is a new concept, that it's a new struggle that uh, humanity is having. But uh, as I think about Ecclesiastes and what Solomon says, that there's nothing new under the sun, you know, some of us hear those verses and we go, well, wait a minute, there's been a ton of new things since Solomon. New technology, new development, new government types, new all kinds of stuff. So what is he talking about? Well, obviously he's not talking about technological advances. He's talking about humanity. Right? When we read our Bible, we read those people struggling with the same things that we struggle with, going through scenarios where they are on blast because their human nature is showing, <laughs> right? And so today we're talking about something that, yes, we are struggling with today in our culture, especially as believers, and that concept is the echo chamber. But if we are trying to convince ourselves or others that no one else has struggled with this before us, it's just silly, right? It's just funny. Because if you read your Bible, that's when people say, hey, any struggle you're going through, you can find it in the Bible. That's why that statement's true. We like to convince ourselves that we're unique and that we are the only ones who have ever gone through any scenario that we're going through. But we should find comfort and solace in knowing that we're not alone and that other people have gone through exactly what you're going through. The struggles that you face are exactly the same as someone in the Bible. Someone in the Bible has struggled with what you struggle with. And honestly, this concept of an echo chamber is nothing new. It's a fancy new coined term in the last couple of years that has really been talked about more frequently in the last year just because of the election. But guys, this concept of an echo chamber is nothing new, right? Because if we're going to define an echo chamber, it would be an environment in which a person encounters only beliefs or opinions that coincide with their own so that their existing views are reinforced and alternative ideas are not even considered. That definition of the coined term echo chamber may be new, but the concept is the same. It's human nature. It's human nature for us to surround ourselves with people that think like us, that talk like us, that have the same ideologies as us, the same political leanings as us. It's just human nature. It is human nature to go where things are comfortable. It's human nature to go where your thoughts are going to be affirmed rather than challenged. Guys, as much as we would love to believe that we like growth and we like change, it's not true. It's not true. Everyone leans to the path of least resistance. It's psychological. Everyone does. Even when we're driving, it's something as silly as that. When we're driving to work or we're, if we're going to the same place every single day, we always do what? We try to find the fastest route, the most efficient route. Now, that's not a bad thing. I actually find joy in discovering efficiency in my life. I'm kind of weird that way. I, I really like trying to figure out more efficient ways to do what I do. Find the prime, optimal, best way to do the things that I do. But that doesn't mean that I like being uncomfortable. I like the thought of being uncomfortable. I like the thought of growth. And I think we all do. But the reality is that we all surround ourselves with people 
that are the path of least resistance. We hang out with people. We talk with people. We're friends with people on social media that think like us. And that's honestly what an echo chamber is. But I'm here to tell you that that way of thinking is extremely dangerous as a believer in Christ. Extremely dangerous. Because the danger that resides within an echo chamber is that it can lead to false teaching, can lead to bad theology, and sometimes even false prophets, false prophecy. You know, I gotta, I gotta tell you my background before we dive into this too much harder, but I grew up in a non-denominational Baptist-leaning community church. So some gifts were not used hardly at all, if ever, while I was growing up. So I didn't see people speak in tongues. I didn't see people speak prophecy. I didn't see people healing people in a supernatural way. And it's no fault of their own. They just, it wasn't something that was prevalent in how we did church. And so when I went to college, I had very little experience. I had heard the words, but I'd never experienced them before. And so when I went to Multnomah, there were a number of people that spoke in tongues, that spoke prophecy. And it really weirded me out, <laughs> for being really honest. I got super weirded out, as anyone would be the first time you experience those spiritual gifts. But as I studied the word, as I worked through scripture, as I read the Old Testament, the New Testament, how all of these things work, I realized that they're needed. There's a role for those spiritual gifts in the body. And there are people that have them today that use them in ways that are glorifying to the Lord. And, and those are all great things. And I, and I felt like I wanted to tell you that I've struggled with these areas in my life. And so I've had to really wrestle through the role of prophecy in particular in today's day and age. Because guys, within these echo chambers, it's one thing to just surround yourself with people that think like you. But it's a whole nother thing when we take a tone or a voice of authority to speak in those echo chambers in such a way where you convince yourself that your way of thinking is the only way of thinking and anyone that thinks anything different than you is not a believer, which is terrifying to even think about, but that thought is out there, or a little less intense as just wrong and that they need to be guided back to the truth. But here's the reality, guys. We are meant to have diverse thoughts. We are meant to have conversations that grind against one another. And not in a bad way. Guys, I, I don't want to be cliche here, right? But in Proverbs, it talks about iron sharpening iron. We need each other. Something that I value deeply in the close friendships that I have, and especially my wife, is that those people don't let me live in comfortable thought and just affirm everything that I say. They press against me. If I say something that is wrong or controversial or it just doesn't sound right, they're going to call me on it. And I've given them permission. I've literally told people in my life, please, if you see those things in me, call them out. Because I do not want to live in an echo chamber. I want to constantly be refined in the way that I think, in the way that I talk. 
And you have to be open to diverse thoughts. You have to be open to hearing how other people view the Bible, how they view their worldview, where they've come from, their experiences, their teaching, right? Where they have been instructed and in what ways they've been instructed. Some of the most beneficial conversations I've had with people throughout my college career and on are people that differ in their theology. Now, I got to be careful. I've said this earlier in the podcast before. I'm not talking about the core of orthodoxy. I'm talking about secondary theology. I'm talking about biblical worldview and how we act in this world today. And so the danger that I'm seeing and the reason why the Holy Spirit put this thought on my heart for this week is that I have to address the echo chamber that I'm seeing in the evangelical world in the Western church that I deeply struggle with. Because what we're seeing here, and I'm going to call it like it is, is there is some false teaching. There's some bad theology and even some false prophecy going on within these circles. And I'm here to tell you, the Lord takes that extremely seriously. I mean, I'm, I'm not just coming out of pocket here. I'm literally going to walk through the Bible in the Old Testament, the New Testament, to talk through how the echo chamber is not biblical, even in the slightest, because of what it leads to. And it leads to those three items, false teaching, bad theology, and false prophecy. And those are all things that the Lord takes very seriously. So I want to start out with how do you, well, how do you test if someone is a false prophet? Now, before we get into that, a prophet is simply someone that is a spokesperson for the Lord, right? That's a simple way to understand it. So when we read through the Old Testament, whether a major prophet or a minor prophet, now the major and minor is not an importance factor. It's literally just the length of the book that determines if they're a major or minor prophet. So we see prophets throughout the Old Testament that are speaking on behalf of the Lord. And you know who they're speaking to predominantly? Their own people, Israel. And you want to know how almost all of them were received? (laughs) Very poorly to the point where they were killed for the message that they were speaking. So these prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah, all these guys, they get words from the Lord. And most of those words are a call to repentance of some kind, to return back to the Lord in some way. And they're called to boldly speak to their own people and call for repentance. And most of the time, those prophets were killed because people don't like to be told that. Now, I do not hold myself in that esteem. I do not consider myself a prophet. But I know that in this podcast, I'm predominantly talking to believers. I know that last week's episode ruffled a lot of feathers because I was speaking directly to believers, including myself, in a call to repentance. And this week is honestly a continuation of last week. Because echo chambers lead to the thinking that I was addressing last week. And so in this continuation of discussing the echo chamber, 
and false prophecy, the first question that I think is valid to ask is, well, how do I even recognize if someone is a false prophet? In Deuteronomy 18, verse 20 through 22, it says, But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. You may say to yourselves, How can we know when a message has not been spoken by the Lord? If what a prophet proclaims in the name of the Lord does not take place or come true, that is a message the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. So do not be alarmed. Guys, so the Lord's pretty clear here. If someone comes out and says, hey, this is going to happen and the Lord has said so and the Lord told me to tell you that this is what's going to happen, you better be right. It's really simple. And I, I know that the Old Testament can be intense at times. I get it. I'm with it. But God's pretty clear here about how seriously he takes false prophecy. He's saying, listen, the easiest way to test if someone's a false prophet is, is what they're saying, did it come true? Because guys, God does not give false words. If they have a word from the Lord, it comes true 100% of the time. And guys, this is not a win some, you lose some type game. Prophets cannot be wrong ever. And guys, I'm just telling you, people have been, you know, calling the end time since 2000 years ago. And I've, I've heard it within my lifetime, right? I remember Y2K, right? I remember times that people were like, oh, the end times is coming, right? 2012, I think, right back in December 2012, because the Mayan calendar was coming to an end. People were convinced it was the end of the world and they, you know, tried to get their Bibles out and you know, look at the stars and trying to like put together, you know, when it's going to happen. And listen, I have zero issue, zero with people, you know, trying to figure out when the end times are. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's kind of fruitless. I don't think that it's super beneficial because I don't really know if it leads to anything, right? The Lord says that no one will know that he's going to come like a thief in the night. I mean, Jesus Christ himself doesn't know the day or the hour. So I don't know if any of us are going to guess it. If I'm being really honest, if anybody tells me, hey, this is when the world is coming to an end on this day and this time, in my mind, I'm literally like, well, I know the one day and the one time that it's not, (laughs) right? Because no one's going to know the day or the hour. He's going to come like a thief in the night. And so something that we don't really talk about is that people throw out these prophecies like they're candy, like it's no big deal. Like, hey, I'm just going to throw out these different prophecies. I'm going to say these words and I'm going to call these things to happen. But guys, I'm, I'm here to tell you, if you're wrong, if you're wrong, then you're really dabbling in some scary area because the Lord says right there in Deuteronomy 18 and other places we're going to read today that say, if someone's a false prophet, they're supposed to be put to death in the Old Testament. I'm not on this podcast advocating that people get killed for false prophecy. I'm not. I'm just going to draw that line right there. I am not saying that. But the Old Testament does multiple times. That if someone's a false prophet, that is the consequence. That's how seriously God takes this, guys. Like, we cannot just throw these frivolous prophecies out there. Right? So, Really quickly, Deuteronomy 18 says, well, how do we know 
if someone's a false prophet? Well, is what they said come true? The other parts that we can evaluate to know whether it's a prophecy that comes from the Lord is look at its fruit. What does it bring about? Right? Does the message contradict what God instructs? Does it appeal to earthly cravings or passions? Does it lead to power, monetary gain, elevation of self or a group as a false idol or God? I'm essentially just saying like Jesus does in Matthew 7, that it's just, is it bad fruit? Right? Matthew 7, Jesus is like, listen, either a good tree that bears good fruit is a good tree or a bad tree produces bad fruit. It's binary, right? It's black and white. It's one or zero. It's either you produce good fruit or you don't. It's, it's one or the other. And so when I hear words of prophecy, I kind of run through that list. Honestly, that's my self-check. One, is it right? Well, I don't know yet because that time hasn't come yet. Okay, so what's next? Well, does it contradict what God's word says? Does it appeal to my earthly cravings or passion? Does it lead to power for an individual? Does it lead to monetary gain for an individual? Does it lead to elevation of a self or group or a false idol or a God? And what is the fruit? If this did come true, what would be the fruit of this prophecy? If it checks all those boxes, then I'm like, okay, good. Okay, good. But here's what I found, and this is what is alarming to me is that believers in this time, right? 2020 has been this huge mix-up, right? 2020 has been this huge, uncomfortable season where all of us are put into the mixer all at the same time. We're all struggling. We're all going through stuff. We've all lost stuff. We've lost people, right? All kinds of stuff has happened in 2020 that has been brutal. And so it's really hard for me when I see believers really grasp onto who I would consider false prophets. And I don't say that lightly. Right? Believers are grasping onto anything, that any new revelation because they desperately want to be out of this season or they desperately want to have their way in the election or they desperately want to hear from the Lord and they refuse to read their Bibles, but they want to hear it from someone's mouth. And I go, man, like, we got to be careful about who we allow to influence us. We have to be careful about who we listen to as truth, especially if they claim to be the mouthpiece of God and to speak prophecy. Right? So I'm like, well, what does that deception look like from false prophets? And why are believers drawn to them? I think there's two different reasons why. We are drawn to them. First of all, is a psychological issue. Right? We have a psychological concept called confirmation bias. Confirmation bias is simply the tendency to look for information that supports rather than rejects one's preconceptions, typically by interpreting evidence to confirm existing beliefs while rejecting or ignoring any conflicting data. That comes from the American Psychological Association. Right? So in essence... Psychological confirmation is just basically that it affirms what we already believe. It keeps us comfortable in our point of view without considering any evidence to the contrary. We also see evidence of confirmation bias in the Bible. Right? So we have psychological confirmation bias and then we have biblical confirmation bias. In 2 Timothy 4, 3-4, it says this, For the time will come when people will not 
put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers who say what his itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So guys, this concept of confirmation bias isn't just in the psychological realm. It's in the biblical realm. And that's what I'm trying to say is that this is nothing new under the sun. Humanity has always looked to affirm their point of views rather than to receive new points of view. And that's why people are like, dude, be open-minded. That's why we hear that all the time. Just because we are open-minded does not mean that we have to change our mind. It just means that we have to hear other people's points of view, evaluate them, and see if that would make more sense than other things. Guys, that's the best part about being in community with people is to hear different points of view, to evaluate different worldviews, to see if any of your worldviews need to change. And if they do, then be open and willing to do so. That's called growing. And our growth will stagnate if we stick in this echo chamber. And guys, I got to be really frank here. And man, when I got this word this last week, I got so convicted because I grew up hearing that if you use the Lord's name in vain, that looks something along the lines of saying, oh my God, right? Or, you know, using Jesus's name as almost a swear word, right? We've all heard that before. But guys, I got to tell you, I don't think taking the Lord's name in vain is as much as saying, oh my God. I think it's more when you say, well, God told me that this was going to happen. Or God wants you to do fill in the blank and it not actually be from him. Guys, that is taking the Lord's name in vain using God's name to further your agenda without it actually coming from God, that's offensive. That is offensive. I mean, think about it. I hate it when people misrepresent my thoughts. I hate it. I get like super defensive and it's something the Lord has like worked in my heart a lot and I've had to grow in that area. But when I hear other people represent my views, when they say, well, Trevor thinks this or Trevor said this, which means he believes that and they're wrong, nothing drives me crazier than that. Because I don't like it when people put a thought or an idea behind my name when that's not true. I can only imagine if that's true for me and I'm an imperfect being with imperfect worldviews, how much more so that is for God. It's offensive to him. It's so offensive. It's sinful to use his name in vain that way. To say, well, the Lord said this, or the Lord told me that this was going to happen, or the Lord told me that you need to do this in your life, or whatever, fill in the blank. Anytime that we attribute something to God, you better be right. You better be right. You should exercise caution. Anytime I say this is from the Lord, boy, that means I have prayed about it. I've sought confirmation about it. That means that I've probably asked the Lord to confirm that in other areas of my life. Right? Even in my own life, I'm so hesitant to say, well, the Lord told me to do X. Because again, if I'm saying that, boy, I better be right. Because here's the thing. God gives us free will. We can choose any path we'd like. That's free will. So most decisions that we make in our life 
are attributed to free will and not God directing us to do it. If God is directing you to do something, that means you should probably find confirmation in multiple sources, pray for the Lord to confirm that, look for signs in your life that point in that direction, and then seek counsel, pray, go through. I mean, don't do that lightly. And then if he tells you to do it, then yeah, boldly go do that. But even then, I'm still hesitant. There's been times in my life where my wife and I have made really hard decisions and it took me forever. It took me to actually see the outcome of what I did to say, okay, the Lord definitely, <laughs> I, can, I can confirm now that is something that he told us to do. But guys, we are drawn to these false prophets. We are drawn to them because they confirm what we already believe, what we want to happen, something that you know fits what we desire, that gives us un- some kind of gain. And that's, that's why I went through that list before. We're drawn to false prophets because it appeals to our earthly cravings. It appeals to our passions, right? It leads us to power. It leads us to monetary gain. It leads to the elevation of myself or my political ideology or the group that I am a part of or a false idol or God that I worship. Of course, I'm going to like those messages. Of course, I'm going to want to listen to those. Of course, I'm going to want to follow them and share them and talk about them because they suit me. They worship me and my thoughts. But guys, we have to be careful because There are false prophets among us that I believe are what the Bible calls wolves in sheep's clothing. And it's deceptive, right? They're lending to people and their thoughts, their confirmation bias. They're looking to be approved by the masses, right? They believe that with the bandwagon fallacy that just because everyone is saying it or everyone wants it, then it must be true. Right, we see the red herring fallacy where there'll be hard issues or when people get challenged that are false prophets, then they'll just redirect your thoughts and your mind to something else by bringing up other things that aren't relevant to what you brought up. Or you see the slippery slope fallacy where they'll convince you that the worst is yet to come because of their thought process and what they're talking about. And they're going to take these really small things and then make it into this huge, big extreme Right? I'm, I'm here to tell you guys, these big changes that people are talking about don't happen overnight. They don't. They don't. Right, Or the straw man argument where they just try to oversimplify someone's position just to make it small and belittle it to make their own point of view look better. Right, Or lastly, the ad hominem fallacy that it just breaks down to, you know what, I don't actually have any good points to back up what I actually think, so I'm just going to attack the other person. Right, Guys, I've seen this all. I've seen this all and this just isn't in the world. And that's what concerns me. That's what concerns me is that believers are committing these fallacies. Believers are speaking false prophecies. And then I go, man, guys, God takes it so seriously. And we should too, because it leads people astray, right? So, so some of you might be sitting there thinking, okay, Trevor, I'm, I'm with you. I've heard these people speak false prophecies that don't come true. I've heard these people use these fallacies within their arguments and how they talk about things. I've seen it on social media. I've seen it in sermons. I've seen it in messages that are spoken. So what do we do with this false prophecy? 
And again, I think it's valuable for us to look at how Scripture does. Right? How did Israel deal with the false prophets? How did Jesus deal with false teaching? How did the New Testament, how did the disciples in the early church, how did they deal with false teachers? What did they do? Okay, so we'll start out with Israel. Jeremiah 23, 15 through 40, really quick. I'm going to read it really quick, so don't, don't lose me here. This is super important. You're going to hear some themes. You're going to go, oh, well, man, I've heard that recently. It says this, Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty says concerning the prophets. I will make them eat bitter food and drink poisoned water because from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has spread throughout the land. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Do not listen to what the prophets are prophesying to you. They fill you with false hopes. They speak visions from their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They keep saying to those who despise me, the Lord says you will have peace. And to all who follow the stubbornness of their hearts, they say no harm will come to you. But which of them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see or to hear this word? Who has listened and heard this word? See, the storm of the Lord will burst out in a wrath, a whirlwind swirling down on the heads of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he fully accomplishes the purposes of his heart. In days to come, you will understand it clearly. I did not send these prophets, yet they have run with their message. I did not speak to them, yet they have prophesied. But if they have stood in my counsel, they would have proclaimed my words and to my people and would have turned them from their evil ways and from their evil deeds. Am I only a God nearby, declares the Lord, and not a God far away, who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets say who prophesy lies in my name. They say, I had a dream, I had a dream. How long will this continue in the hearts of these lying prophets who prophesy the delusions of their own minds? They think the dreams they tell one another will make my people forget my name just as their ancestors forgot my name through Baal worship. Let the prophet who has a dream recount the dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what has straw to do with grain, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks a rock in pieces? Therefore, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who steal from one another words supposedly from me. Yes, declares the Lord, I am against the prophets who wag their own tongues and yet declare the Lord declares. Indeed, I am against those who prophesy false dreams, declares the Lord. They tell them and lead my people astray with their reckless lies, yet I did not send or appoint them. They do not benefit these people in the least, declares the Lord. When these people or a prophet or a priest ask you, what is the message from the Lord? Say to them, what message? I will forsake you, declares the Lord. If a prophet or a priest or anyone else claims this is a message from the Lord, I will punish them in their household. This is what each of you keeps saying to your friends and other Israelites. What is the Lord's answer? Or what is the Lord spoken? But you must not mention a message from the Lord again, because each one's word becomes their own message. So you distort the words of the living God, the Lord Almighty, our God. This is what you keep saying to a prophet. What is the Lord's answer to you? Or what has the Lord spoken? Although you claim, this is a message from the Lord, this is what the Lord says, you use the words, this is a message from the Lord, even though I told you that you must not claim, this is a message from the Lord. Therefore, I will surely forget you and cast you out of my presence, along with the city I gave to you and your ancestors. I will bring on you everlasting disgrace, everlasting shame, that will not be forgotten. Guys, in Zechariah 13.3, God was so fed up with the false prophets, he literally condemned them to die. So God is literally, out of his own words, 
to an actual prophet in Jeremiah is saying, keep my name out of your mouth. Right, if you're saying this is from the Lord, it better be. And you better be checking it against scripture. You better be praying that it's from the Holy Spirit. You better be checking your heart and you better be checking who that message serves because the Lord is super clear here. He's like, listen, you are saying that this message is from me, but it's not. And they're going to be punished for that. God takes that so seriously, right? I love the part where he's like, listen, there's people that say, I had a dream. I had a dream. This is what the Lord says. Guys, we have to check what we receive as dreams or words from the Lord against scripture. Pray through them. Address them. Because guys, if you are wrong, you are a false prophet. And I'm not saying that lightly. And if you're feeling condemned or if you're feeling convicted, that's not coming from me. That's coming from the Lord. That obviously this is a message you needed to hear. Because you are pandering to your echo chamber. Guys, when words of prophecy are affirming your political views, when your words of prophecy pander to your echo chamber, your select group of people, regardless of what views those are, that is sinful. It's wrong. Guys, the bottom line from the Old Testament is God takes false prophecy extremely seriously. You go, okay, well, what about Jesus? What about the original church? Okay, let's go there. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after themselves. Man, this is a word. We often think like, man, false prophets are going to come from out of the woodwork of, you know, people that are evil and wicked. And it's like, no, read what Acts just said. False teachers and false prophets are going to come from among you, man. Or just because you walked with them at some other point does not mean that every word that's coming out of their mouth is from the Lord, even if they say that it is. Guys, I'm saying any word of prophecy that you hear any dream that you hear about, any word that is spoken, anything that's talking about in the future, you have to test it. You have to before you believe it. Because guys, what we believe matters. What we think about matters. Who we allow ourselves to be influenced by matters. Okay, continuing on. 1 John 4, 5 through 6 says, They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Who does it serve? Right? Because listen, if you're speaking a message that is, that is accepted by the world, that probably means that it's not of the Lord because they are counter to each other. You cannot both serve the world and the Lord. You can't. You serve one or the other, and your fruit will bear which one that is. Okay, continuing on, Titus chapter 1, 11 through 14, says they must be silenced because they are disrupting whole households by teaching things they ought not to teach, and that for the sake of dishonest gain. One of Crete's own prophets has said it, 
Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. This saying is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply so that they will be sound in the faith and will pay no attention to Jewish myths or to the merely human commands of those who reject the truth. Guys, there are tons of people that are out there and it has never been easier. It has never been easier to share your thoughts on a worldwide scale, right? Social media, like back when these guys are talking about false teaching, they're talking about like writing a letter and spreading it around, right? We're talking about, we're talking about a long time to distribute these words. Whereas now you can post something and within five minutes, the entire world could see it, right? So guys, here's the deal. The Old Testament, the New Testament, they both outline how seriously God takes false teachers and prophets. And obviously we are not called to kill these people, right? I'm not saying that in any shape or form, okay? But it is definitely not something that we should entertain or allow in any capacity within the people that influence us. So how are believers supposed to use a spiritual gift of prophecy if that is what gift they have been blessed with? Very carefully, test it against scripture, test it against what prophecy shouldn't look like, right? We got to know and acknowledge where your prophecies are coming from. 2 Peter 1, 20 through 21 says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of Scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will. But prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So simply this, guys. How do we avoid the echo chamber? First of all, we got to surround ourselves with others who will push back, who will disagree, maybe even play devil's advocate, right? which is a terrible name, by the way to help challenge a thought, just to really think through a concept and why you believe it. I think about Joshua and Caleb compared to the other 10 spies in Numbers 13, where they were willing to say the hard thing even though the other 10 were saying the easy thing. We need to diversify where we receive information and news, gaining perspective from multiple sides. And lastly, we need to talk with people that have first-person experience with issues, topics, breakdowns, etc., Guys, we have to avoid these echo chambers as believers. We need to test words of prophecy against scripture, against the motives of the heart, where it's coming from, what it leads to, what the fruit of it is. And guys, we are not called to live in an echo chamber as believers. We are called to hear from the Lord. We are called to think about our worldview in a deep way, right? We're supposed to know exactly what we believe and why we believe it. And guys, I just, my prayer is, is that listening to this podcast has challenged some thoughts of yours. You might not agree with everything that I say, and that's okay. But my prayer is, is that by listening to this podcast, some of your thoughts and your worldviews have been challenged. And my prayer is, is that that would convict you in a way to analyze the scriptures, reevaluate the way you think about things, and hopefully lead to a more fruitful relationship with the Lord and living your life the way that you're called to. But guys, we have to be careful. We have to be careful about who we allow to influence us and how we influence others. And that that's simply coming from the Lord and not coming from anything else. So my prayer is, is that there might be people in your life that need to hear this. There might be people in your life that needed to hear last week's message on Forging the Word. And my prayer is that you would share it with them. And my prayer is, is that you would continue to grow just like I am through this podcast and that you'd be blessed by Forging the Word with Trevor Whitman. Yeah.